Hello, hello and welcome. It's Mark and it's Trucking Answers, the podcast where you only hear me in your ear hole. This podcast comes out to you every Tuesday and Friday, weather and circumstances permitting. I'm here with my co-host, Gracie, who has turned her back on me and is facing the back of the couch. I can't believe it. I'm like, am I being dissed by a cat? Okay, so that turned out to be yes. So I don't understand what I did. Probably there's a small spot of white in her bowl where she can see the bottom. And so that has to be corrected before I get any more respect. Unbelievable what I have to put up with here. We're currently in 42 countries still, and I'm just amazed at how many countries that don't have English as their primary language are downloading the podcast, like Brazil. I mean, um, is this translated into Portuguese? I don't know, but there are many countries like this around the world that are downloading the podcast, and believe me, I appreciate everybody here, there, and everywhere. We're in about one-fifth of the world's countries, one-fifth, and I checked. We're not in the Ukraine. Maybe we should be. Okay, but that'll be enough of that for today, certainly. On the podcast today, we're going to have some trucking news, some automotive news, and another reason why we are not on Mars. Do you know why we don't live on Mars? Because there's a bunch of dumb, stupid, idiot people here on this planet that we have to feed cheese sandwiches to in prison instead of using that money to transport us to the red planet so we can live there in peace and harmony while we sing Kumbaya to everyone. And even though I don't know this person is not going to be that, Maybe this person should be the reason we don't live on Mars. And I just did a video about this, which is on YouTube as we speak. By the time you hear this, it will be on YouTube about an accident that just happened. Not to me, but that I got to witness in the ice storm that we were having here in Lafayette. So I bebop over to work. Here's a story, right? And I think, man, it's freezing rain out. This isn't uh, super great. Anyhow, so I head on out. 52 I thought was going to be a mess so I go over to the interstate I thought this will be a little bit better which it, it kind of was it was still a little slickerish so I'm out there going kind of slow you know we're all cruising along and I only get a few miles down really about eight miles out of here I see these lights coming up and there is a Volvo of course of course it's a Volvo coming down the pike there and he's right behind a car the car gets over and he passes me he's going 70 plus and which is he's already speeding as it is when it's dry and there's no way that you have any business going that fast so this driver passes me and gets up to the truck ahead of me next to him and starts sliding and i thought oh here we go so we're backing it off me and there's a guy next to me we back it off and he's swinging now his trailer swinging swing it it hits the trailer next to him which is the trailer in my lane ahead of me and that's it and he's off the road and into the cable barriers and blocking the entire interstate the only thing that saved everybody else is the cable barriers and let me tell you a little story about cable barriers and why i think they're such a good idea many years ago i don't know how many years ago it's been oh a long time a friend of mine from high school had gone to Omaha, Nebraska, it seems like. She lived in Chicago. We palled around in high school, and I keep in touch with people from high school. I just do. I like to keep friends for a long time that are compatible, and I think everybody should do that. You know, I have several friends for decades. Uh, not many, but some for a long period of time. I think that's a good thing. And so coming back, she went to her grandmother's funeral, apparently out there and it what coming back was a sunday okay and 
she was a teacher in Chicago. She always wanted to be a teacher. Became a teacher. I drove her to Ball State. Okay, dropped her off at, uh, at college when she was going to college. We were eighteen years old. Here we're going to my Plymouth Reliant, going to Ball State, and um, you know we. Uh, she was coming back. She was married and had kids and everything, and probably had to come back for Monday. That's what I assume. But the, it was terrible weather. Terrible, just terrible. And I assume. Which guys do all right now? I don't know this, but you know, oh, we can make it. The weather's not that bad, or whatever, you know. And the other thing is your job. You're like, oh, we got to get back because of work. That's why work stinks, you know. But that's why working stinks. We'll do stuff that risk our own lives to get a paycheck, and uh, that's a disappointment. But she's coming back, and she made it into Iowa, and they started sliding apparently from the reports and went across the road, got hit by a semi. Now, yeah, I mean, they shouldn't be out there, but, you know, the truck shouldn't be out there either, to be honest with you, in that kind of bad weather. Well, everybody but her died instantly. Three kids and her husband died on the scene. She was transported by a helicopter to back to Omaha, where she died about a week later in the hospital from this car accident. And cable barriers may have saved their lives because they would have hit the cable barrier, would have ruined your car, but you wouldn't be dead, probably. Because you wouldn't have crossed over. That's why whenever I see, whenever I went past that spot in Iowa, I always thought about her. Uh, because, uh, you know, this is <laughs> this was the end of your life. But whenever I see spaces on the interstate without these cable barriers, I'm always like, you know what? They should put up cable barriers. It might save some people basically from themselves. They're a minor thing. And this cable barrier kept this semi from going across the road. And believe me, at the speed he was going, he would have crossed the interstate. And I don't know what would have happened then. And the other question is, is that worth it? Whatever he had, of course, he's a Volvo with a refrigerated trailer. Is that worth it? Is that worth to kill people to risk everybody's lives? Now, look, the truck's ruined. Okay, we get over there, coolant's leaking all over the place out of it. And and by the way, by the way, which you'll see in the video, he does not speak English. Okay? Get up there, he just hands the phone to him. Police, he said, police police he doesn't seem like what ha are you all right police he couldn't speak any english he didn't know an english it's just disappointing because it is the law and i also think it's a good idea to drive a semi though it's the law i think in any country if you were to live there i think you should learn the language if you're a tourist that's one thing you can google translate your way around but if i moved to uh you know france i'd have to learn french to live there i just think it's a great idea i'm most disappointed here when i see people have been here 30 years they can't speak english what are you doing go learn the language of where you live but this guy it's the law for him and he was way fast for conditions so did he not know how to drive or was he being pushed by a company because the reason you hire somebody that can't speak English or whatever, possibly some of these people are actually indentured servants where they're brought here and they have to pay back some kind of debt, even though that's totally illegal. That happens all the time. But otherwise, they don't have many options, right? And so I think it hurts you yourself. If you don't have an option, then you can get yourself into a situation where you kind of have to do something that you wouldn't otherwise do. It's very disappointing. It doesn't do you any good, and it doesn't do rates any good because a company could pay less, take lower rates. hurts everybody. It really hurts everybody, and it isn't enforced at all by anybody in power, of course, because it benefits companies to have lower rates. So they're not that upset about it. You don't hear the ATA talking about this because 
I'm thinking lower rates on smaller carriers, uh, they can push them out of business. So they don't care that much about it. They would like to use these people also to lower their pay. So just kind of disappointing. And the cable barrier thing, you know, whenever I see an accident or think about it, I always think about my friend that would have lived had there been cable barriers at that point. We're just putting them up, basically testing them. Now they're much more widespread, but they're still not everywhere. And I do think there should be everywhere. Ironically, in some places, the police oppose them because they can't just go turn around and write tickets. So but I always tell the police, it shouldn't be your goal to write tickets. It should be your goal to serve and protect. But then they beat me with nightsticks and uh, send me to jail. So what can you do about that? Nothing, I guess. That's the story of what happened in that accident. The video's up on YouTube now. A couple pictures of it, and I talk about it for a little bit. Just thought it was pretty interesting that it happened right there. And I sat there about two and a half hours before they finally cleared the road, flipped around to the next exit, which was just a mile down, and went back there and went back to bed, where I should have stayed all day as it was. That's the story of Mark's accident for the day, which I was not a participant in, by the way. In other happy news... <laughs> Here's something a little disappointing. <clears throat> in Madison, Georgia, a truck driver noted that uh, he parked and the truck next to him seemed to have a foul order with blood leaking out of it. Okay, I think we know what that means. So the police come and discover a deceased driver in the truck. The key was in the on position and the truck was not running. It was out of fuel. He had been there long enough to run the truck out of fuel, but that doesn't necessarily mean anything because... He could have showed up there with hardly any fuel in the tank, which many people seem to drive around on empty all the time. As an aside, they always used to say that running refrigerated. Oh, uh, you know, even you to get it on the Qualcomm, show up with a quarter tank, you know, don't fill up. M oh, Mark didn't follow that rule. I'll tell you what, I filled up, always showed up full reefer and as full on the tanks as I could because I know, I knew that place was going to hose me right at 80,000. And so I wasn't going to stop every 14 minutes and get 20 gallons of fuel. Anyways... This driver apparently had been done three or four days. And they said they contacted the Loves, but the Loves was unable to determine how long the truck had been there. Right, because they don't care. You just park there, take up a spot, no problem. You leak blood all over the place. They didn't. He didn't use any payment cards in the Loves. That's kind of disappointing. So I guess he parked there and died. The real problem is there's been no missing persons report on him. What do you think about that? So uh, I think that's the saddest part of it. I mean... So you can be dead for three or four days and nobody even notices that you're missing. The only the thing is, I guess the customer had reported that load didn't show up. But of course, he had some kind of old truck, probably a Volvo, didn't say. And so it wasn't tracked. They didn't know where it was. And nobody reported him missing. Do you, let me ask you, do you talk to your family every day when you're on the road? I did. I called the wife every day, four to five was a first call and then in the evening also but there was always between four and five every day was a call and then of course every call at night and even on pay phones i would stop every day and call always called always called always be in touch i think it's sad that you can go through your life and it didn't say how old he was but you can have a point in your life where you can be dead for four days and nobody misses you because you don't keep in contact with anybody let me encourage you right now to Stay in contact with everybody, anybody that means anything to you, everybody who's important to you. Stay in contact. It's so easy now to do that, right? Don't lose that contact. Don't lose the part of humanity that we are where we're in contact with each other. 
You know, that load is not more important than contact with your loved ones. Now, I don't know. Maybe this person is a horrible person. The wife's like, well, maybe he's horrible. Well, maybe so. And um, this is how you die then, I guess, as um, alone in the back of a truck stop. But if you weren't, I'd say it's pretty horrible that nobody notices you missing for four days. That's really something. And I, and I don't know what they'll do there. But here, they probably just spray some Febreze in there and give the truck back out. Because we did have a driver die in a truck years ago. Oh my gosh, that was so long ago. And that truck got put back out because I asked him about it. <laughs> His sleeper was a sleeper. He died somewhere in Ohio, apparently. Now they noticed that he wasn't there because they do track the trucks here and everything. And they're like, this truck is sitting. And so... Uh, they actually sent a driver to go check out him, and that's probably horrible. But he hadn't been dead like long, so either way, either way, that truck went back out. Uh, that's another reason I think you should insist on a new mattress. But uh, this driver was dead for days. They think three or four days at least, sitting there, based on uh, the way he looked, and nobody reported him missing. Nobody. It's one thing that he they couldn't find, but whatever. Nobody reported that he was missing. Nobody missed him. Don't go through your life where nobody misses you. Okay, please don't do that. That's no kind of life to live. There's a great article in Landline recently, maybe the last couple of days, about uh, pre-regulation drivers versus today. And I think it's an interesting article and an interesting way to put it. Because as the article points out, people, you know, before the early 1980s made you know, about eighty dollars to $100,000 a year as drivers, and 75% of the drivers were Teamsters. And companies that were not Teamsters were still had to raise their pay to keep up. Otherwise, people would leave and go to a Teamster company. There was a fight to keep up at the top. And so what happened then, and this is not a union thing, all right? This is just what happens. What happened is companies could then pick and choose who would be a driver. They could decide because there was no no lack of people wanting to do it and stay in it. It was a good career that you could work your whole life. You get a pension and, uh, you know, you had a job that was protected and you just could go do a good job and make a decent living and feed your family. And you were respected by the public for it because because companies could choose the best drivers. They could choose if they had an opening, there were 40 people to come and apply for that opening. That's a good problem to have when you're a company because you get to sift through and find the best drivers. Today, all these years later, uh, we have the reverse where companies ha are begging people to come to work. So they'll take basically anybody. It doesn't matter if you're a good driver. It doesn't matter if you have good hygiene. It doesn't matter if you can barely speak English. It doesn't matter if you are good at customer service or taking care of the freight or if you care about being a good driver. Those things don't matter. And that's not to say that everybody doesn't have those attributes. But what I'm saying is that companies can't be as choosy as they used to be. And so they get a lower level of driver and they constantly try to reduce the things that a driver gets. Drivers don't have a pension anymore. Drivers don't necessarily have low cost health insurance. In fact, some of the places I've called, the insurance is two seventy-five a week for a solo driver, just for their health insurance. That's ridiculous. So you can't make that kind of money there, you know. So, and yeah, people write all the time. Six, I make sixteen, eighteen hundred dollars a week. That's great. That's great. But you know, a hundred thousand in nineteen eighty is three hundred thousand plus today. 
and drivers aren't making that. So pay is actually only around 50% of what it was in 1980 for truck drivers. So the pay is in real money, in real money. Okay, so the pay is way reduced, and companies just have to take whoever they can get. Whoever will pick up the phone and call them, they're like, yeah, uh, you don't, and if you don't believe me, go call a couple companies. Tell me you have some experience and see if they'd like to hire you. I bet they would. Okay, and every driver knows that. So if you're a good driver today, it doesn't matter as much as if you're just a driver. <laughs> Meaning, you don't have to compete at most places against other good drivers hoping you're going to get a job. If there's openings, you're going to get the job if you're willing to come and work there. It'd be very unusual for you to not get it. And that has brought down the overall quality of drivers and brought up the hatred of drivers, almost rightly so for some of them, like this guy in this video, as I keep going back to from uh, the, on my YouTube page. You know, that driver has no business even driving, going like that, pushing cars out of the way, tailgating. That driver shouldn't be a driver. You know, there should be more of a crackdown on that kind of thing. But companies, you know, companies should care about that. And what will happen here, they'll probably just fire him and send him back to his own country or make him work this, make him work this uh, off. I thought about that, too. They'll make him work. They'll take this accident probably out of his check, whatever it costs. Clean up. Gigantic tow truck came to pull him. Holy mackerel, the lights on that thing. I thought it was going to be blinded to death. So that's what happened. And. That article, I think I would recommend people go to Landline and read that article. It's free reading for everybody. It's pretty interesting on how things have changed. That's from long before I started driving. But when I came in, they were just finishing up the deregulation part of it. And so I came in and we had a lot of these older drivers in then talking and look at where we are today from that. I'd be remiss if I didn't talk about the people's convoy, the trucker convoys that are going on. There are several of them around the country, and I've read tons of stuff about them to try to look at pictures to see who's telling the truth about it. Because, look, when you look at the articles, as I thought would happen, right-wing convoy leaves for Washington, far-right truckers go to Washington, that kind of thing. That's in a lot of articles. And you know, it kind of disappoints me about journalists. And I know they are not what they should be. But journal imposing that in there, no. That's not part of the reporting of news. That's editorializing the news. And I don't like it. I don't like it. We can't change it, of course. And there's no good on either side. Well, Mark, if you watch this or if you watch that, look, they're all the same. They're just one side of the coin or the other side of the coin. None of them are reporters. Okay, they're all editorialists, at least if they call themselves out, I'd have some respect for them. They've also uh, called up the National Guard in Washington, D.C. They put up fencing around the White House again, which I think is interesting. They got a fence Biden off for, you know, even though he's one of us, right? A known driver, as we all know. So he should be on our side. Either way, they fenced up the White House for the State of the Union, which nobody cares a crap about anyways. <laughs> now all these truck drivers are coming. Now the pictures of the convoys. Look, they had one picture. At a truck stop, this was in the Southern Carolina, somewhere in there. Oh, my gosh. It's women. There must have been 10 women. Seven of them had to be older than the queen. And uh, a couple of other women in there. I'm like, okay, do any of these ladies drive? Uh, I can't imagine the older ladies drive. The other one is a one semi and a few pickup trucks with some flags on it. I'm like, oh, my gosh. And look. And if people say, well, Mark, the press isn't reporting it right, fine. Okay, where are the real pictures then of thousands of trucks? All right, because I searched around for them and I can't find them. The biggest one I found is maybe 100 vehicles, 
mostly cars and pickup trucks. I cannot, if you have them, and none of these fake ones, I've seen some fake new pictures going out in the news because when you reverse search those pictures, they're four years old or whatever from a traffic backup. Okay, they're not real. So if you have an actual picture, uh, you know, from a current convoy, I'd love to see it, but they're just not, it just doesn't seem to be coming together the way that they thought it would, but it came together the way I thought it would, which is they'll have a few people, and that's basically about it. Now, I think this is pretty interesting. Specialty vehicle engineering, all right, will make you a Chevy Colorado and turn it into a Cyclone, 750 horsepower, lowered, everything upgraded, all-wheel drive. What do you think about that? And, and factory warranty, order it through the dealer. What do you think about that? Is that even better? I think it is. Here's maybe the downside. Uh, it's 80 grand for the package plus the donor truck. So <laughs> you can buy whichever uh, one you want. They'll put it in there. It's a supercharged 5.3 Chevy V8 in there, okay, with the uh, transmission for the V8 in the thing. They shove it all in there, all kinds of upgrades. It's easily, they said, the fastest pickup truck of the year. And the problem is going to be you're looking at uh, 110 to 130, depending on which pickup truck you started out with. But they're only going to make 50 of them. So get your order in now. They probably want like a $25 deposit or something to, to order these. Very exclusive. There's also going to be an off-road version called the Extreme where they're going to lift it, put gigantic tires on it. Same engine transmission. They'll make 50 of those as well. I'd take the street cyclone version of it. Love it. Look great. Might get me back into a Chevy, uh, you know, be, <laughs> considering I'm not a huge fan. The, a guy at work's got a Colorado. I don't know. It's okay. I mean, nothing to write home about, although he has a base version of it. This one, though, for that kind of power, I'd love to drive one. You know, they're going to be in all the shows, too, that I watch, all the driving shows. And, um, you know, I, I would love to drive one of those. I watch uh, Motor Trend and all the shows, so it'll be on all that kind of stuff. Speaking of shows, I wanted to talk about that. Sometimes I'll mention a podcast. What about a show for you to pick up? Go check out Wheeler Dealers. You ever seen that TV show? It's pretty awesome. Uh, comes on. They're currently in a lag where the new shows aren't out yet, but there's been 17 seasons. So you need to go pick that show up. Two dudes. One guy goes out and picks up old uh, cars that need problems. They fix it and swap it and hopefully make a profit on it. It's a great show. It started out many years ago. It's a British show which I like. Uh, they came here for a few seasons in the United States, but mainly done in England. And I get to see cars that I don't see here. You know, you'll get Skodas and all these other kind of weird uh, Peugeots and all the cars that they don't sell in the United States. So I love I love watching that show. Wheeler Dealers recommendation from me, Mike Brewer, the host of the show. Not sponsored. Mike Brewer's never contacted me, but uh, he could. The uh, email will be in the description of this podcast. Ford is going to partner with State Farm also. Because Ford's vehicles are connected. Most of the new ones since about 17 or whatever are called connected cars. <clears throat> so you can get um, the Ford app says where your car is, how many miles it drove, all this other stuff. That app is free, by the way, Ford Lincoln models. And what they're doing is partnering with State Farm where you can, if you have State Farm insurance, State Farm will use that instead of you having to plug a thing in the car and it'll determine how many miles you drive and your driving behavior and what your insurance rates are going to be based on that. I know Progressive with Flow has been doing this for a while. I wonder, do any of you use that? I don't use it. I'm not going to let the insurance company determine 
uh, you know, maybe I want to floor it all day. I don't know. Maybe I like doing burnouts and stuff like that. So any of that kind of stuff, they're going to uh, ding you on your score and up your insurance rates. Now, I uh, I have Geico, but, uh, you know, they don't have that thing yet. I think it's going to come to a lot of places. This is optional for discounts. Do any of you use that discount? Maybe, you know, a driver that has gone a long period of time. Maybe I should have had it then. When I was gone five months, the car sits five months. Oh, what kind of great insurance rates would I get then? It doesn't drive at all. So uh, that would have been pretty good. That would have been really good. I just wondered if people do that, especially if your car only drives a little bit. Maybe you could put it only on the car that you barely drive. And so when it sits around, it wouldn't be any problem. I will tell you, the Sonic only gets about 3,000 miles a year put on it. So uh, I think maybe that would help me. Still not doing it. Still not doing it in case there's uh, I got the hankering for a burnout. So I want to make an announcement here first. There'll be one everywhere else soon that I just got confirmation this week that I will, in fact, be a speaker at the Mid-America Truck Show in Louisville, Kentucky this year. March 26th, I'll be speaking on the Pro Talks stage in the main floor, holy mackerel, of the East Wing there at 11.15 a.m. on Saturday, the 26th. And we're going to talk about how to maximize your miles using that logbook, using split sleeper, using every which way you can get the most miles while you run legal because as you know here and everywhere i never ask anyone to run illegal i don't think you should and i don't think companies should ever ask you to run in an illegal manner even for one minute the law is what it is so we can maximize that um to make the most miles that we can so i'll be there for an hour that day that's amazing by the way and earlier this year i had asked people to write to the truck show after i applied to be a speaker and many of you did and i thank you for that and i think that is what got me in there that they would ever have me come down there and speak is incredible. I mean, who would have thought, who would think that you can go from just being some schlub driver uh, like me to speaking at the largest truck show in the United States, but yet here I am and there I'll be. So I hope you come down. I should be down at the truck show. This is what I'm anticipating now. Friday, at least from noon through the truck show, I'm going to stay in Louisville. And then Saturday, I'll be at the truck show all day from open to close. And uh, and later, if there's anybody there to talk to, if anybody wants to say hello or whatever. And we'll make some time on the time on Friday as we get closer here where I'll be at a certain maybe from two to three or somewhere. I'll be standing somewhere. I got to look at the truck show map floor so that we can meet there. Otherwise, just trying to randomly find somebody not easy to do, but that will do that. But I will be speaking there for an hour, an hour. He writes me back finally and says, you know, how about an hour on Saturday? I'm like, holy mackerel. So nervous like Robert Hayes in airplane for it. But I think it's going to be a lot of fun. And I want to thank you all for making that possible. Because this couldn't be possible without everybody here. It's If I just wrote in as somebody, that just wouldn't happen. But many people wrote in. Many people have supported me in it. And uh, it's all because of everybody that watches. And we will continue everything that we're doing here. So, And I want to bring that up more for the... United Federation of Commercial Drivers as well. It's wintertime. We're trying to get some people in before spring to grow the grow the, grow the the membership, basically, because with the more members, the more we can do. I've been in a fight with Black & Decker for not having drivers' uh, bathrooms in Jackson, Tennessee. Now, I went through a lot of rigmarole with them. See, a lot of stuff, I want to tell you all, that a lot of stuff goes on in the background that you don't see. You think, oh, well, what is Mark doing? Well, this is the stuff that has to go on in the background to get these places to comply. So we wrote him an email. I wrote an email, nothing, nothing. Then I get an email back. This is kind of a little update for people. 
And you can go to ufcd.org to find out about uh, the United Federation and to join if you should like to do so. Please join the private Facebook page. Share your thoughts there with other drivers so that we can all get things going on. I get an email back. Think said, okay, your email has been put into, here's your ticket or whatever number. And then I get an email saying, okay, well, it looks like your ticket's been closed. Have a nice day. And if you have any feedback, reply to this. So I reply back, I go, hey, morons, you haven't done anything. Seriously. I go, you can't just close it. No one's even contacted me. Oh, and then I get it almost instantly. Oh, we're, we're apologized. We will get right on this. And uh, then I got an, probably the next day I got a survey. How do you think our customer service was? And please fill out the survey. Well, I filled that survey out. A zero. Do we do good? Zero. Would you recommend Black & Decker? No. You know, all this. I mean, come on. <clears throat> come on. So I don't know what we're going to be able to get done. And that's the thing also. <clears throat> I know we want to get everything done, and I'd like to change everything. The more members, the more we can do that. The, you know, the disappointing part probably of OIDA, and I really like OIDA, I think it could be more than it is, is they won't name places. They refuse to name companies. When the truck went out a couple of years ago, I met him in Gary and stayed at the truck for a while and talked to the uh, driver of their tour truck. It's not this guy. It's the last guy whose name I can't think of, unfortunately. And I said, why don't why don't they name people? Why don't? We? Oh, he said, they're never going to do that. They're not going to name names. He goes, they talk in generalities. I go, well, generalities doesn't get anything changed. We can't just forever go to the government, except if we don't like them, you know, and ask them to change things. We're going to have to name places, shame name them, and everything else to get things changed. He said they're never going to do that. So <clears throat> that's a problem. So I name names and stuff like that to get things changed. But we do need more members for that. There's always work being done in the background. Do not fret. Even if I have these long days or whatever, I'm sending emails. I'm doing stuff in the background. And the more people. See, once we get enough people, the hope is for me that we'll get to, to uh, have some people on maybe part time to help with what's going on. You know, the day to the day, to day as they say, operations of the uh, business. And if anybody would like to be a moderator on the Facebook page, I would appreciate that. You can just uh, email me, markettruckinganswersnation.com, and uh, I'll make you a moderator on the Facebook, the private Facebook page for it. That would help out a lot as well. But now we want to go and talk about a reason why people are not on Mars. Do you know why we don't live there? Well, there's a bunch of stupid people here that are wasting our tax dollars, and that's very disappointing to me because the money could be better sprint, sending sprint, sprint it, right, Gracie? You hear a crunching over there? Probably not. Spent <laughs> sending us to Mars, to the red planet, okay, which we found out on the last live show, which is 12.30 p.m. Eastern every Monday, that Mars is flat. But it's I guess it's tilted to us so we can see that. I don't know. Today we go to beautiful Panama City Beach, Florida, where we find a gentleman in a basement apartment that is made out of cinder block walls. But it is below ground level. He doesn't even have a window. And he's sitting there in a metal folding chair watching a 7-inch black and white TV from Radio Shack. It's a realistic brand. It gives him a very clear picture with that single antenna that comes off the top of it. So he's watching the Sally Jesse Raphael show and decides, you know what? I need some stuff for this place. But does he have a job? No. Does that stop him? No. He goes over to the local camping store. Of course, camping. And he fills up his cart with camping equipment. But he doesn't stop at the cashier. He simply walks out of the store with camping equipment. <laughs> Unbelievable. And so it turns out the camping store calls the police because they don't like you to leave without paying. 
The police come and find a gentleman of his description walking down the street, pushing a shopping cart from the camping store full of camping equipment. And he assures them that he paid for these items, and uh, but cannot produce a receipt. Also, it is illegal to steal the cart, which is worth several hundred dollars, and that's another crime. So they arrest him, give the camping equipment back, I guess they take pictures of it probably, and take him down to the station. Put him in one of those interrogation rooms. You know what those are? Not that I ever know. I mean, I'm just saying I've been told about uh, what they are. Because I always ask for a lawyer, by the way. And uh, they uh, put him in there. And as cops do, they leave you in there in front of that big mirror. Do you know this? I want to give you a, a little thing there. They are on the other side of that mirror looking at you. It's like you sweat it out. Okay, just as an aside, always ask for something to drink. They'll bring you a Diet Coke or whatever in there, and you don't have to pay for it. So tell them I ain't talking, my voice is dry, I need something to drink, they'll go get you something. So while he's in there, sitting there pondering his life choices, likely, um, one of the things that he does, he's not in cuffs or anything, which some people are, some aren't, I don't know. He gets up and takes the clock off the wall and puts it in his backpack. Now, I don't know what you need with one of those plug-in clocks like we had in school that uh, click off. That's what I assume it is, one of those black and white clocks. Uh, they didn't suggest what kind it was and puts it in his backpack. Well, the detective comes in and charges him with petty theft for stealing the clock. Ha! Huh. What I actually thought is if he actually gets a lawyer, he might be able to get out of that charge. Oh, and I'm not a lawyer. But what I was thinking is that you can't be charged... From what I understand, when I used to work at retail at Zaire, all right, you can't be charged with shoplifting until you leave the store with the purchase or with the um, the items, because the idea is that you could say, well, I was going to pay for it. I'm just putting it in my pocket to keep hold of it. You have to actually leave the store with their item. Until, while you're in the store, there's no shoplifting. That's the way I understood it. I've always understood it at stores. So he could always say, uh, I don't know. I just wanted to see. You know what time it was. I don't know. I don't know what you would say. A lawyer would probably get him out of that charge, to be honest with you. But look, here's the thing. If you're in prison, uh, you're being held there. Don't steal things in front of police. The mirror, the mirror they look into, they can see you. All right. It's a one way. They get to see in, but you can't see out of it. They're watching you. They're like Rockwell. Okay. They are always watching you. So do not steal things from the actual police station. Okay. Because you might be the reason that I can't get to Mars and I don't appreciate it. Enjoy your cheese sandwich while you wait uh, in prison. And to be honest with you, unfortunately, somebody like this probably been arrested numerous times and will be arrested many more numerous times and get little to no time in jail. And that's disappointing because that costs us all money. And that's aggravating. That's aggravating to me. You know, that because store has to raise their prices because they lose all this stuff or whatever. So. People like that, I don't know. But that's the story today from beautiful, sunny Panama City Beach, Florida. And by the way, this podcast is not sponsored by the Panama City Beach, Florida Tourist and Vacation Council. So too bad for them, even though I'm promoting it. All right. So thanks for listening to yet another podcast. I do appreciate everybody that started with me, has joined since, and is still here that listens to this that watches the YouTube channel, that is just everywhere to change trucking. We do really have the best drivers, and I've talked to the wife about that, that I get way higher quality of drivers than there are in just in the general public because I think we all are on the same mission here, which is to make trucking 
just a little bit better. Make it a little bit better than when we started, right? So thanks for listening, and we'll be back soon with another podcast.